welcome to Common Sense Medicine. Yes, it's a new health podcast uh, that is evidence based, trying to get information out to people so that they better understand their health. That's right. Just trying to make regular medical knowledge more common. Yeah, and I think you know after we've been seeing patients for a while, we realize that's what people need. They just need more information to better understand their health, so they can make better educated decisions for their health. That's right. Go ahead. You are Melissa Wood. That's right. Family nurse practitioner with additional certification in lifestyle medicine. Which is awesome. And I am Tim Chen. I'm a family physician that has big interest in public health and evidence-based medicine. That's right. Now, again, this podcast is just—I guess—disclaimer time, right? This is just a podcast for medical information. This is not medical advice personalized for people because we don't know what people are going through. That's right. That's right. So, if you have any questions, any concerns, definitely consult with your provider before implementing anything new. Perfect. So now that's out of the way, we're going to get into today's podcast. Let's do it. Hey Melissa. Hey. How are you? Good. Yeah. Good. How's yeah. this week? It's been great. Yeah. It's been great. You know, we've had really good success with patients this week. A lot mm-hmm. of patients came back. Numbers look better. Mm-hmm. They've been trying and putting forth effort. Uh, forth effort and uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing lots of good results all around. Yeah. We must be doing something right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of our podcast. Maybe. <laughs> Or maybe the patients are doing their part, too. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a partnership. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the whole point of our podcast is to help equip uh, patients so that they can better engage their health so that they can really be effective in our partnership together. Exactly. Yes. Well, today, Melissa, going along in the heart disease uh, world, high blood pressure. Yes. Yes. That's a very relevant topic for this month, Heart Health Month. Um, High blood pressure, I think we saw accounts for, um, what, 30% mm-hmm. of um, of cardiac-related deaths. Yeah. So it's pretty high. Yeah, it's actually, right, the number one problem in the world mm-hmm. is high blood pressure, number one killer, uh, which is funny because I always thought diabetes, but I guess the rest of the world doesn't struggle with diabetes like we do here. Mm-hmm. But high blood pressure, definitely a thing, definitely a thing that happens when we age, but there's things we can do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so today we'll be talking about Right. What defines high blood pressure? Right. How do you know you have it? Um, and then what do you do if you do have it? You know, how do you fix it? Well, how do you monitor it? Uh, we'll talk about blood pressure cuffs and then we'll wrap up with how to fix it through lifestyle or, or things like that. In addition to maybe a couple of myths that people associate with blood pressure, um, that maybe we need to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are where the common sense medicine comes in, you know, it feels like people should know. Um, and there are lots of myths around that. I think we just need to get the word out. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it today, Melissa. So Melissa, let's start with definition. You know, what does it mean when someone says I have high blood pressure or your doctor says you have high blood pressure? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we start start looking at the numbers. You know, the the gold standard for years and years was always one twenty over eighty. You've probably heard that, seen that. Some you know somebody has mentioned that to you. Um, usually, though, when we start talking about do we need to treat this with medication? We're looking at numbers, you know, 140 over 90 or higher. A lot of times when you're in that gray area between the 120 over 80 and the 140 over 90, like 
you know, one thirties or so. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it starts with just lifestyle modification. You're still considered to have, I guess, high blood pressure at that point, but it's treated more often than not with just lifestyle modifications and monitoring. Exactly. That, that's exactly right. So, right, if you go to the doctor and you have a blood pressure of 140 over 90, the first thing you probably want to do is just confirm that that actually is happening. Now, right, if you go to the doctor because you got shot, <laughs> which we've had patients come in with bullets, <laughs> you know, or you have a, a boil that you need cut, or you're sick and you took a bunch of decongestants, all those things can raise it, right? So mm-hmm. oftentimes we don't treat on the very first blood pressure unless it's astronomically high, like 190 mm-hmm. over 100. Um, but yeah, once you go above that, then the next point is to try to talk about, hey, is this truly a thing? Is it just a one-off? Um, and this is when it's helpful maybe to even get some readings outside mm-hmm. the clinic, right? And so, yeah. Right, yeah. What we see in the office is very, such a small picture of what someone's blood pressure is actually doing. And so a lot of times we'll recommend some home monitoring and get some readings that are from outside of the office and see if that correlates to what we're seeing in the office. And then we can make a better decision on whether we need medication or even adjusting medications. Perfect. Well, then that kind of brings us to that first question, because you're exactly right, Melissa, the American Academy of Family Physicians, American Academy of Cardiology, more and more academies are relying on home readings because A, it's easy to get a home cuff now. And B, right, we're only getting one snapshot in time of your blood pressure. And again, like I said, your kids could have been screaming. You're in I-55 traffic. Uh, you know, you're going through Jackson hitting potholes and you pop the tire. Mm-hmm. All those things will raise blood pressure. So now with the, I mean, you can get a, a cheap cuff on Amazon. Um, that has really become a staple in how we monitor blood pressure, which, Melissa, so this is the first question I had a patient ask me, wrist cuff or arm cuff? Arm cuff all the way. Yeah. The wrist cuffs um, can be less accurate. It's uh, very dependent on user position. And so there's a a wide um, area for error. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's definitely more accurate to get the upper arm cuff. Awesome. And Typically, the automated cuffs are best. Um, They do sell the manual kits out Mm -hmm, there, but mm -hmm. that usually takes some basic medical training to know what you're listening for and make sure you get an accurate reading. Plus, if you're monitoring your own blood pressure and don't have anybody to do that for you, Mm -hmm. it's real difficult to get a manual (laughs) blood pressure at home. So, And that's for people that don't know. A manual blood pressure is where... You know, you see somebody put on the stethoscope, they listen for um, the reading. Um, The automated is the one where you put it on your arm and hit the button and it does it for you. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And so we uh, endorse, not that we're sponsored by anybody, but (laughs) yeah, we endorse the arm cuffs. Right. Because you want accurate numbers, right? So, right. Putting it you know, a right size cuff, that's really important, making sure you're not getting one that's too big or too small, putting it not over a jacket, but ideally right on the skin. Mm-hmm. That makes the machine make it make it a little more, more accurate for the machine. And how do you check it, Melissa? So that, some people ask me that, like, do I check it first thing in the morning? Do I need to sit there? Do I get out of bed? What is the ideal way to check your blood pressure? 
Yeah. So I usually tell people to, if especially if we're trying to decide what their blood pressure average is, I'll usually tell them to get a couple readings at different times of the day. Mm-hmm. Usually a good time, and I guess I should say you shouldn't, you know, be running and then sit down and check <laughs> your blood pressure. That's right. You know, give yourself five minutes to just sit check it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it can be at varying times of the day um, just to get a pretty good average, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I would say, right, both feet on the floor. Mm -hmm. Give yourself a second, right? Don't check it after you've been yelling at the kids Mm because it's going to be high. Mm -hmm. Usually the the rule of thumb is five minutes. Most of us don't have five. Well, Mm -hmm. we don't think we do because then the baby's like outside and then Mm -hmm. the neighbors are looking at you funny. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, at least give yourself a minute to take some deep breaths, calm down, then check it. And right, it's not, uh, it's actually pretty good to just check it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. All throughout the day, give you a good idea of what your blood pressure is doing. Mm-hmm. And right, if it's great at home, let's say you're in the office, it was 140 over 90, you got a cuff, you went home, you checked it, it's 121 over 80 nonstop, multiple times a day, then we can safely assume, okay, this is, those are just a one off, we're fine. Mm-hmm. However, Melissa, if we start realizing that, hey, it is, 140 over 90 or even higher at home it's 150 over 90 then that means you probably should not ignore it Mm -hmm. but actually talk to your physician yes don't wait until your next regular checkup especially if you know your next regular visit is six months out if you're seeing consistently elevated readings especially above that 140 over 90 range go ahead and make an appointment Um, you can even bring your cuff in review the readings You can compare your cuff to the cuff in the office, make sure you're getting accurate readings. Mm -hmm. So coming prepared to your visit like that can be really helpful in allowing your doctor to have all that information to make the decisions that he or she needs to make, whether starting medication or going a different route. Exactly. And, you know, I'll just put a little, you know, I guess doctor, you know, practitioner, peeve, pet peeve maybe. Give us actual numbers, mm-hmm. all right? <laughs> so, Don't say, oh, it's been normal, it's been good, or oh, it's been high. Okay, what is the number? Right. Yeah, we just need a number. Exactly, exactly. People are like, yeah, it's good. I was like, what's good to you? Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. or... And then I was like, oh, it's about what you saw. It's good. And I'm like, I see 145 over 95. And they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's not good. So, right, give us the numbers. And with cell phones and smartphones, it's so easy to just snap a photo. Mm -hmm. right? All right, bring your cuff uh, or write it down. And so when we have accurate numbers, that gives us a better idea of what we can do to control it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's apps and all kinds of things where you can log your numbers and just pull them up. A lot of cuffs even sync to your phone so you can just pull it up and and show us. Um, but I will say, and I guess on the the topic of checking things at home, mm-hmm. don't stress over it too much. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get maybe a borderline high reading, yeah, check it again the next day and, um, and see where you're at. But I have seen patients get really anxious about it and check it many, many times throughout the day and analyze every little change. Mm-hmm. Well, it went from you know, 125 to 130. And then, you know, it's normal to have some minor fluctuations. It's mm-hmm. normal. Um, so don't stress over it too much. There you go. You're right. Because I, I, we've definitely seen people where they get so stressed out that it gets higher and higher mm-hmm. because they're getting more and more stress. So, right. Little fluctuations. Uh, in fact, I had a patient yesterday. It was 
124 over 80 in the office. And he said, that's what I see at home. But sometimes I'll see a 135. And you're like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to fluctuate a little bit because life fluctuates a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, right. It doesn't have to be 120, no matter whether you just came back from the gym, you know, whether you're sitting in you know, a recliner, it fluctuates as long as it comes down when you're relaxed. That's mm-hmm. what we're concerned about. Yes. Yes. Now, Melissa, let's move on. Medications. Because <laughs> this is so important because this happened like four times this week. Mm-hmm. Blood pressure medicine, whatever your practitioner decides to do, right, they have their benefits. If you're consistently high, bringing it down can definitely help. Now, as, oh, sure, it's not the end-all, be-all. Some people, after they get on blood pressure medicine, they start eating better, they lose weight, they start exercising, blood pressure goes down. We'll be happy to pull them off. But a common myth is that once I take the medication for 30 days, 90 days, and I run out, I can stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people, I think, don't realize that, right, by the end of that bottle, mm-hmm. there's usually refills on there, <laughs> and they're, they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ever are unsure if you're supposed to continue a medication, it's not a silly question. Just mm-hmm. ask. Mm-hmm. You know, don't wait until your next three-month follow-up or whatever to ask if you should continue this medication you know, those questions aren't silly, you know, so, but in most cases, if if your provider starts you on a blood pressure medication, continue that unless you have a conversation with them that, you know, tells you to stop. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there are, like you said, some cases where somebody needs to come off. Um, Or if you're having side effects from the medication, don't Mm -hmm. just stop the medication and wait six months and then talk (laughs) about it. Right. Let your doctor know and, they most likely can find you something else that works just as well for blood pressure, but maybe not not the same side effect profile. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And so that that's our essentially our little plug. The common sense plug is don't just you know first of all don't start something without asking us, mm-hmm. right? As meaning like I have patients like I have high blood, high blood pressure. My aunt has high blood pressure. Just give me her medication. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't just start it. And on the flip side, don't just stop it either. Mm-hmm. So, and we are always happy to answer those questions, right? Sometimes people will say I had a procedure, so I just stopped it anyway. We can tell you if that's something you need to stop it for or not. But the medicine we put you on there, we put it on there for a reason. Uh, and when we feel like it's time for us to come off and we have a conversation, we can decide together if it's appropriate to come off. But correct. Side effect, let us know. Don't just stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And probably one other that we saw this week, um, it was a matter of insurance coverage changed and he wasn't sure if he'd be able to get his medicine or not. Didn't even attempt to refill it, just assuming that it would probably be very expensive mm-hmm. w- while his insurance had lapsed. Right. And, um, you know, really blood pressure medicines now, there's a boatload that are less than $4, you know, mm-hmm. cash price, you know. So um, most blood pressure medications are pretty affordable. And even the ones that are a little bit higher, um, if you ever get in a situation where you can't afford one of them, there are other options. So right. definitely don't hesitate to talk to your doctor about that too. Perfect. All right. Well, Melissa, let's talk about thin lifestyle stuff, right? Because blood pressure, of course, some people will say, well, it's genetic. There's nothing I can do. But in fact, there's a lot we can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there are lists of what we call modifiable risk factors. We talked about this last week. What are things that we can change that a, can affect blood pressure negatively, and if we fixed it, would help with our blood pressure. 
Mm-hmm. Right. There's there's lots of things. So yeah. and the things that we talk about probably every week, of course, diet, exercise, mm-hmm. stress management, sleep. Um, a lot of people don't realize that alcohol reduction can help. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone has some high blood pressure, even borderline high blood pressure, if you're consuming alcohol on a regular basis, that's um, one potentially easy fix, just mm-hmm. reducing that. Also, tobacco um, reduction or cessation, um, salt reduction, that kind of ties in with diet, um, weight loss, mm-hmm. which kind of follows if you're doing all those other things, exercising um, and um, watching your diet. But even in um, even without weight reduction, a lot of these things can be beneficial. So mm-hmm. independent of any change in weight, if you do some of these other things, we can still see blood pressure reduction mm-hmm. without weight loss. Perfect. Yeah, you're exactly right, right? Some of these things, right, obviously weight going down, blood pressure usually goes down because there's a bunch of hormones that change when weight goes down. Uh, but you're right, like cutting back alcohol is really, really a big one. I would say much bigger play, uh, player since the pandemic because I think so much people have just drank more because they're at home all day. Mm-hmm. And so if you are going through a time where maybe your doctor's trying to figure out why you can they can't control the blood pressure on three medicines, four medicines, sometimes alcohol is a big one. So mm-hmm. cutting that back, that's a big one. Tobacco, there's nothing more to t- talk about tobacco, mm-hmm. right? We know it raises blood pressure. We know it's just bad. There's no benefit for tobacco. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so cutting that back or cutting that out will make a big difference on blood pressure and your health in general. Um, one that I've heard and, you know, talking about diet now, salt, right? Mm -hmm. So we talk about that salt is a big issue. And so this is myth number two. So myth number one is about the medication. Myth number two, Melissa, a lot of people will tell me, I don't put any salt in my food, Mm -hmm. so I'm good. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, there's a lot of food that already has plenty of salt in it. Yes. And most of the foods that we eat in the standard American diet are going to have sodium in them already because they're prepackaged, heavily processed. Any of those foods um, can potentially be high in sodium. And those are things that maybe people don't realize. A lot of people don't realize things like lunch meat, mm-hmm. um, cheeses, bread, cereal, sodas, Mm-hmm. All these things that you may not think about. What are some other ones? Uh, bread and rolls, mm-hmm. right? Chicken. Um, oh, pizza. Soups. Yeah, with all the salty meat and cheese, soups. Yes, mm-hmm. that's another big one. Right, snack food like potato chips and pretzels. Mm-hmm. Right, these things, right, you haven't put any salt on them per mm-hmm. se, or you don't cook salt with this stuff, but a lot of them already have a lot of salt content in them, especially if you eat out. Mm-hmm. Right? If you eat at a restaurant, you eat at fast food, there's just no telling what's in your food. And so those can be really sneaky areas of sodium that maybe you don't realize you're doing, but if you cut that back, that will actually really help with the blood pressure. Yes. And even when you're cooking, there's there are sneaky um, sources of sodium, um, sauces and condiments, um, also, things like garlic salt, it's still salt. <laughs> it's <laughs> um, on there, yeah. Sea salt is still salt. Mm-hmm. Um, Himalayan sea salt <laughs> and it's is, pink. <laughs> is still salt, you mm-hmm. know, so you're still going to get sodium from those things. Yeah. I always wonder how they make it pink. 
I don't know. I think it like is, is it that is like the, that? the color of the actual <laughs> of the Himalayas. <laughs> we need to do a recording in Himalayan uh, mountains. We Melissa. need to learn more about that. Yeah, you know, there's salt rooms. Have there, you seen that? I have seen. <laughs> we we'll have to. Do, yeah, we need to do an episode on some of these like alternative things. That's right. Next time we'll do this like a vessel where we're jumping in an ice bath. Yeah, <laughs> like, ice bath, oh my salt gosh. cave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're exactly right. So obviously that's a big area for people to be, you know, to kind of watch. Uh, another thing talking about food and dietary things is, well, I, I guess before moving there, listen, so let's say I like the salty taste, mm-hmm. but I know I can't put salt in. What What are maybe some substitutes that we can use? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... There are a lot of diff- different seasonings and um, I, I don't know, I guess we can say brands, but Mrs. Dash is one mm-hmm. that has a pretty good variety of um, sodium-free seasonings, all different flavors. That's another thing to watch, though, as you're seasoning your veggies or your meats or things like that. Even if you're not putting salt, a lot of the seasonings have mm-hmm. a lot of salt in there. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's your Cajun seasoning or your the rub for your whatever you're putting on the grill. A lot of those things are filled with salt. So when you're looking for seasonings, really kind of pay attention to the ingredients and the salt content. You can still get lots of good flavor without the salt. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, Mrs. Dash, if you want to sponsor us now. <laughs> but yeah, you're exactly right. There are other things you can do, like even just doing maybe garlic powder versus garlic salt, mm-hmm. you know, or onion powder, or other things like that. And you can be creative. Um, but right. And sometimes, you know what? Maybe we just don't need to eat things with that much flavor to it. We can eat it a little blander. And it's so funny. I mean, when I went to Taiwan, um, they gave us, this is not salt, this is not sugar, but, you know, they gave us a cake for birthday and they're like, oh, be careful. It's really sweet. And I was like, what? <laughs> I remember, yeah, I heard be careful, it's, it's hot, mm-hmm. but be careful, it's sweet. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And when you ate it, it's like, well, it's just fruit. It's not sweet. Mm-hmm. But because they have so little sugar in their diet, to them, it's the sweet. taste buds mm-hmm. adjust, right? And so same with us. Like, we can train our taste buds not to have this much salt to mm-hmm. feel like it's satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another one, Melissa, talking about food and diet is caffeine. Mm-hmm. So whereas maybe like people think about drinking coffee, it doesn't, you know, drinking coffee doesn't, it'll raise your blood pressure temporarily, uh, but that is something to consider. I mean, more than coffee now, energy drinks, like Monster, I guess that's a brand, sorry, Monster. <laughs> you know, like energy drinks, loaded teas. Mm-hmm. I mean, these things are chock full of caffeine that can really raise blood pressure and maybe give you a false reading of it being high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes, you know, if, if someone is drinking, um, oh, sweet tea would be another mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. High, you know, high caffeine all day long, they started their day with a cup of coffee, and now they've been sipping on tea most of the day or an energy drink in the middle of the afternoon. Um, That could contribute to some increase in blood pressure Mm -hmm. and also probably anxiety. (laughs) I actually had a patient who thought he had panic attacks, literally went to psychiatry the whole nine yards. So he went to an endocrinologist, I mean, and they were trying to rule out this rare disease called FIO, which is a super rare blood pressure flushing disease. And the, and the endocrinologist was actually smart enough to be like, do you drink caffeine? And they're like, oh, I drink two monsters every morning. And once they stopped it, the blood pressure went away, the panic feeling went away, the anxiety went away. He could come off all his anxiety medications. But it was it's amazing what things that we do in our daily life that we don't think about actually are pretty detrimental to how we feel. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people just don't put two and two together. They don't realize that they're closely connected. Yeah. All right, Melissa, a couple more myths, and I think we should probably wrap it up. This one is very interesting because I have a lot of patients that come in and tell me, I feel my blood pressure, mm-hmm. right? And, and sometimes um, it's hard to know if your blood pressure is going up and you feel something or you're feeling something and your blood pressure is responding, right? You feel anxiety, your you know your hands start sweating, your face is flushing. The blood pressure is actually responding to that feeling versus the other way around. But there's a reason the blood pressure is called a silent killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people don't feel it. A lot of times it's a surprise to someone when they come in and find that their blood pressure is elevated. Um, I would say it's a lot more rare for somebody to have a headache or blurred vision or some other occasional signs that we hear of and then check their blood pressure and it's high. Um, I think it's definitely more common that um, people have no idea. Yeah. Yep. And I think the the final myth, it, you know, kind of rolling along that, is that um, I, I'm young, I don't have to worry about my blood pressure, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of young people, especially in Mississippi, that already have signs of high blood pressure because they've been dealing with diabetes or obesity or some you know, high cholesterol. And blood pressure, they, they kind of run together like the four horsemen, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. But um, to really emphasize, I mean, blood pressure, most of the time, it's a problem for people in the future because they never addressed it earlier Mm -hmm. like it's a subtle kind of long-term battle because you don't feel it coming right maybe somebody has their first checkup at 45 and (laughs) high blood pressure Mm -hmm. surprise but it it probably has been ongoing for many years it may have started as a you know a 130 over 76 at age you know 30 and it has just steadily progressed over time and they just never realized it, never felt it. Mm-hmm. And so when they get that first checkup, they have high blood pressure. Right, right, right. Exactly. And so I guess that's, I mean, in, in anything that we do with diabetes, high blood pressure, um, obesity, the shorter you have that problem, the easier it is to reverse. And what I, my, what I mean by that, if, if you've been dealing with high blood pressure for like 20 years, it's actually kind of hard to reverse it then. If you've been dealing with blood pressure problems for maybe the first six months or first year and we discover it, we can actually reverse that pretty easily. Same with diabetes. And so um, that's why getting those yearly checkups, uh, doing your wellnesses, you know, and if you have problems following up and being kind of diligent on it is actually really, really helpful for the future. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell my patients all the time, like, you know, we can make you live to 65 pretty much with all the medications and things and the technology and the heart cast and the things like that that we have. But it's the difference between living to 65 on maybe one medication still fully independent, you know, going to grandkids' graduations, walking up and down football, you know, stadiums with kids, enjoying life, or being 65 on eight medications because mm-hmm. we have, you know, two heart attacks, had a stroke. That actually can all be fixed if we start early. Right. Like the 28-year-old that comes in who um, has maybe just a little bit elevated, maybe right there, like I said, the 130 over 70 range, but they've had, you know, two energy drinks and a cigarette before they came in. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the perfect time to intervene and to give that 28-year-old some in- information on how do we modify these factors now to prevent that pr- from progressing into that 65-year-old on eight meds. Mm-hmm. and a heart attack, stroke. Exactly. 
Yeah. So this episode is actually really appropriate for a lot of people, right? Because this is the essentially the whole point of our clinic that we work at is to try to figure out how to prevent these things from happening. And it's hard to do just once a year visit or once every six months. But hopefully these weekly podcasts kind of motivate some people just to not, you know, your health doesn't be your end all be all, but just move it up the priority list just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Melissa, any final thoughts, any wrap up thoughts that you have? I think that's um, that covers a lot. Definitely talk with your provider if there's any question about whether you do have high blood pressure and need to start home monitoring. There is a website that you can see if you have a good home cuff. Oh, okay. And I need to make sure I get it right. It is validatebp.org. Um, so if you're thinking about getting a cuff, you can go there, see which cuffs are accurate and validated. Um, that way you know that you're getting accurate readings at home. And if you're not sure at any point, you can always bring your cuff to your appointment, mm-hmm. compare it to what you get in the doctor's office and see if you're getting accurate readings at home. Perfect. And right, don't forget to take your medication if you're on it. Mm-hmm. Don't just start and stop on a whim. Uh, and we're always happy to answer those questions for you or, or our patients, I guess, if you come see us. And of course, the last point is there are a lot of things we can do to prevent high blood pressure from causing an issue down the road. Genetics is a very, very small role. Most of it is lifestyle modification, and we can make that better. Yes. Yeah. Well, Melissa, next week will actually be a fun one. What to do when you eat out? Oh, yes, that's a good one. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think everybody's, you know, we're struggling with trying to figure out what to do when you eat out. And there are a lot of hidden things. I'm trying to get some guests on here. But if not, we actually have PowerPoints (laughs) and slide decks. Uh, But I think that would be a good one because I feel like every single parent, especially with soccer season starting, these are Mm -hmm. things to really pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Everybody needs to know how to be able to grab a relatively healthy meal on the go. Mm -hmm. Everybody's busy. Um, so that's helpful. Yeah. And I'll just throw a little piece out there. Queso is not good for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little bit. It's okay. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. All right. Well, Melissa, we'll do it again next week. All right.